Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world's sounds. You're listening to episode 28 of Hack to Start. This episode features Max Lynch, the co-founder and CEO of Drifty, creators of the Ionic framework. Tyler and I wanted to invite Max onto the show to share his experience and insight building startups and awesome products. Max has been building products for the past few years, experimenting with different business models, funding styles, and more. In less than one year, their Ionic framework has seen over 320,000 apps launched, the team raise $1 million and grow to 15 people. Let's get to it. Hey, Max, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So something we like to do when we get started on the episodes is to get to know a little about who you are, what did you study, and how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop? Uh, yeah, so um, my name's Max again. Um, I'm a computer science major by trade. Uh, I went to U- University of uh, Wisconsin-Madison. Um, I kind of got into entrepreneurship mainly just because I was looking for something to distract me from classes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I was always kind of like one of those, you know, kind of okay students. Um, and I, I just, I think like it was my junior year of college, I was uh, kind of just getting a little bit bored and um, was kind of looking at like Hacker News and uh, Reddit and noticed, you know, a lot of people were kind of building their own like web apps um, and kind of getting into that world. And I was, I was intrigued and, and I wanted to code. Um, and so I kind of just uh, started building some little web apps and, you know, practicing a little bit and ended up randomly getting uh, involved on a interesting uh, project about f- five or six years ago to build like, some kind of like underwater waterproof camera company with someone. Um, and that was interesting. Yeah. So that was kind of my first, uh, foray into like software startups and that worked okay, but we ended up kind of taking, um, you know, me and this guy ended up kind of switching into another business and that was kind of the, I consider that the first like major one. And we were doing some pretty cool stuff. Basically the idea was like, um, if you've heard of this site called newsle.com, um, yep, it yep. basically tracks like LinkedIn and contacts in the news. So we were doing that, um, in 2006, uh, basically pulling a bunch of news articles, running, um, natural language processing stuff on them. Uh, and also like building like solar leucine indexing systems and kind of searching your contacts. Uh, we also built like an out Microsoft outlook plugin, uh, that was kind of inspired by Zobni which was popular at the time. Um, so that one was like way more intense mm-hmm. and wrote a lot of code, learned a lot of lessons, applied to YC, um, didn't get in unfortunately, but uh, 
you know, it was like it, it was a really great experience. I think uh, it was it was interesting to work so hard and to to fail. Um, and I think I needed that. I needed to get that out of my system because you know you realize like it's like you learn so much doing it. And failure like really wasn't that bad. You know, we didn't spend that much money on it, minus like just our time. Um, and I think it was that after that I was kind of like, all right, I need a little break, so I went and worked on mobile games. Um, but I kind of got back into it with with my current company. Yeah, so uh, you're actually currently so the CEO of Drifty um, and working on your I guess your main project called the Ionic Framework. So what is Ionic, and and why did you feel the need to to create that? Yeah, so Ionic is basically a uh, cross-platform open source uh, mobile development kit. And the whole idea is that you can build uh, what we think are native quality uh, mobile apps, but using in a like kind of a generic web layer. So we kind of look at it as uh, kind of a, a, a layer above like the device uh, maker's phone. So you've got Apple, Microsoft, um, Google, they have their physical devices, kind of like we used to all have like, you know, different desktop computers. Um, and Ionic kind of normalizes all that. So you can build one app for Ionic and then it runs on all those, uh, different phones. So we are trying to, um, kind of apply the virtualization model to, to mobile development, uh, and just make it easier for people to build apps on multiple platforms without having to learn each individual one. Um, and also just do it a lot faster and cheaper. So web technologies are just a lot easier to use. More people know them. Um, but they've been kind of underrepresented in uh, mobile development. So that's what we're doing. And we uh, have been doing that for about a year and a half now. Yeah, absolutely, and it's and it's super sexy too. Like I, I just love. I'm I'm not much of a developer, but uh, I love just going through it, reading the docs, seeing the projects, um, and just checking out what people are doing uh, with it. Um, Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, and, and so just like you just mentioned, you've been working on it for just a little over a year, um, and actually in in less than that period of time, it's become one of the top fifty most popular open source projects in the world. Um, I got a stat here, 320,000 apps have been created in 2014 alone using that technology. Um, so how did you guys achieve that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, to be honest, like it's kind of blown us away with how uh, popular it, it's become and, and how strong the reception was for it. We didn't expect that going into it. Like we, um, we started the company doing other things, which... I think we can talk about it later. Uh, and so we released this framework, kind of like an open source project, just trying to like, you know, evolve our business a little bit, try to get us out of the tooling space and more into like the technology space. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we just got like really lucky with a lot of things. Like the timing was really right for hybrid in that the phones had gotten a lot faster. So you could still use the traditional like, HTML, CSS, JavaScript approach, and get really good performance. So that was kind of a relatively new thing. Um, and you had to do things like kind of a little bit more diligently to make it fast. And so there weren't a lot of people really applying those techniques to mobile development in like a very like generic, like open way. Um, so we were one of the first to kind of do that in a, like a mass market approach. And then like we, we focused on AngularJS, which was really the best decision that we made. Um, the community was voracious for new stuff and it was growing quickly so we kind of 
hit Angular right in stride with the 1.2 release, which was, I think, when Angular really kind of came into its own. And we had a, you know, a mobile framework for those for those developers. And the uh, organizers of NGConf, the first official Angular JS conference, invited me to speak, which I'm super thankful for. Like that was a huge opportunity. And with that, we kind of like that. I consider that like our first big break, and <clears throat> it kind of just grew from there. Like people started talking about it at conferences. Uh, meetups, writing blog posts, like it became very distributed pretty quickly. So we were able to do a lot, which is like a very small team. And we raised some money, uh, just kept pushing Ionic, and, and that's kind of where we are today. The history of that isn't that long. Yeah, for sure. So how big is the team, actually? Uh, we're 15 people right now. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's been it's been fun growing that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're able to share, but what are some of the coolest apps you've seen created with Iconic? Anything uh, or Ionic? Sorry, anything that uh, that pops out? Well, just today I found out that the uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation just built their new app with Ionic. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, that was pretty awesome. That's that's pretty sweet. So we're seeing, um, you know, we've seen several startups get featured by the app store. So Swerkit is one app. It's like a fitness app. Um, has been featured by both Apple and Google. That's an Ionic app, so that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and then we've got you know we've got a lot of enterprise companies using it. They won't really tell us what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're very secretive. So there's a lot of that going on. Like I I, I, I searched on. Um, that's been a challenge for us is just knowing the scope of how popular it is. Uh, but I was doing some searching on like the Google Play Store. Uh, like last week, and I found there were like 24,000 apps at least that had like not changed our default like metadata. So I think the number of apps that are actually built and deployed is is kind of a lot, which is really exciting because people are actually finishing and polishing apps. So um, yeah, so there's a lot of cool ones in the works. Um, some I wish I could talk about, but I can't. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I mean, and it's really exciting to hear. Um, so so what's next for for Ionic in 2015? Well, we need to grow, uh, grow like our our business side of it. So right now, everything's kind of free and open source. Like, we're just giving it all away. <laughs> and there's a strategy for behind that. Like, it's it's intentional. And we are um, hoping to kind of get, uh, <clears throat> kind of almost creating a new segment. Like I look at it as like Ionic creates this new segment of mobile development where people who maybe weren't, you know native developers before are suddenly building mobile apps. So I like to think we're, we've expanded the mobile development market. And in doing that, like these developers need other things that they will pay for uh, to build and scale their apps. So these are like backend services, mm-hmm. you know, analytics, A-B testing, push notifications, all that stuff. Like we can offer our developers um, in a very like custom tailored way to the Ionic framework. Um, so that's what we're working on now. And that should be we're starting to roll out the first alphas this month and next month, and then, you know, probably starting to charge sometime this year. So that's awesome. Super excited to see what uh, what comes next for you guys. Yeah, it should be fun. <laughs> so you've also founded other products, and first off, to get it started, you uh, founded um, Kodaka. So what is it, and uh, where is it today? <laughs> You're like the first person who sight unseen has pronounced it correctly, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, which actually got really old after a while, which is one reason we're not working on it. Um, so Kodaka <laughs> was basically, that was our first product, and that was uh, the idea of it was you could 
drag and drop and build jQuery mobile apps. So we've been kind of in the in the fringes of the technology play for a while. Um, we looked at jQuery mobile as becoming really popular. Developers were starting to use it, and we figured, okay, well, if this like framework, this UI technology was going to become popular, like it needed tools. Developers would need tools, and they pay for them. So we built drag and drop tools for jQuery mobile. Um, you know, I, I feel like I have a lot of people to thank for getting us off the ground. And uh, Todd Parker, who is the uh, jQuery mobile like project lead, um, was kind of he, – he, he let us put like a little embedded – uh, build tool on the jQuery mobile site. So kind of overnight, like we had this like deluge of traffic and a lot of people were using this free tool and then, and, and, you know, a significant uh, percentage of them were clicking through and kind of signing up to our uh, paid product or at least signing up for the trial because we weren't charging yet. Um, and that was, that. that's kind of how it got off the ground. Um, but we eventually, you know, like same with Jetstrap, which, which we'll talk about in a second, like, we just felt like the tooling business wasn't really going to scale to meet meet kind of like our ambitions, uh, and also like we felt like the market was kind of missing a lower level mobile framework. Um, jQuery Mobile was great, but we we had a different vision, uh, so that's why we built Ionic. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, so like you mentioned, your second product that you um, created was Jetstrap, and it was one of the first bootstrapping building tools. So, um, would you be able to talk to us through what it is, and again, where it is today? Yeah, so that was kind of inspired by, you know, obviously inspired by Codica. It's a similar tool. And the idea was basically the same strategy. Like, hey, Bootstrap's getting popular. There's going to be a lot of developers wanting to use it. Like, let's give them tools. Mm -hmm. uh, almost identical thought process. The product ended up different just because um, they're two different, like, you know, use cases. So we, we kind of built that the same way we did with Codica. In fact, they have, like, both. So both those products we still they're still up and running. We don't, we don't put any resources into them beyond like periodic tech support for billing, but they both make money, which is cool. Um, and they have almost identical usage That's and awesome. billing patterns. So it's kind of hilarious. Like they were pretty successful just in terms of adoption. Like I think there's over 250,000 registered users, like if you combine them. So a lot of people liked it. It just wasn't like that strong of a business. You know, I remember when uh, Jetstrap first was launched, and I dove in and grabbed an account and started playing around with it. Um, it, it this market of Bootstrap building tools kind of exploded at one time. There's a whole, there's a handful of different um, products out there now today. Yeah, it's a good lesson for other people. Like, you know that that market was kind of a small, like, you know, you had you had the paid products kind of come out first, and then it proliferated like every kind of a race to the bottom to make everything free mm -hmm. um but like we were still making money it's like it's it's like if you don't if you don't actually charge for anything you don't make money so of course you know, I, we refused <laughs> to do that and like in in that case it wasn't necessary because those products like you know, there's something about charging for something like it people want to pay for things they want mm -hmm. you to support it and they want you to be around so that was that was an interesting uh interesting market for sure so Drifty was completely bootstrapped for the first two years. And then in 2014, you guys raised a million dollars. How did you guys achieve this? And what's the story you built for investors? Um, yeah, that was that was interesting because uh, I randomly got connected with, with an investor that was kind of local to our area. Um, and we weren't fundraising. So at the time, I was like, oh, sure, I'll meet him. Like, he's coming through town. 
Uh, and then like the, the week before he came, uh, we decided to raise money. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So we, we were like, Ionic was just kind of getting off the ground. We're like, you know, what is this going to be? Like, where can we take this? And then he came, we're like, oh yeah, we're raising, we're fundraising. And, you know, I didn't build the deck or I think I had a deck I showed him. He, he thought it was funny just that I built one. Um, like it wasn't really necessary. Uh, and he just kind of believed in what we're doing, like believed in us, was really excited. And I think just kind of wanted to make sure he was the one getting money in <laughs> and not someone else. So that actually happened really quickly. We closed in less than a month, like from, from first meeting to cash in the bank, which I think is, is pretty unheard of. So, uh, definitely the exception because, you know, we've done it again. It, it usually doesn't go that quickly. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how we, 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 we did it. Like, you know, we didn't really, the story we told people is, is basically kind of what I, what I said in the beginning. Like I legitimately think that someone who can kind of combine all of the different native platforms into one, like much more accessible and, 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 and broadly used product will product or platform will end up kind of, uh, coalescing most of the developer activity over time. Like you kind of, you know, you kind of saw this on, on desktop, like native desktop application development is not very common anymore. Uh, it kind of moved to the web and mobile so specific that you really do need to have a custom like solution for mobile developers. Like you can't just have a blank website, you know, it's very, very UI focused. So the, the UI framework and the platform that kind of can, can work on all of them is really going to end up winning the developer, uh, market. And so we want to be that company. Oh, that's amazing. Um, it's funny. Today we actually spent uh, a good part of our day in our in our shop to look at Ionic and actually build a couple of uh, test apps. And their developers completely love it, and they're going forth with the platform. So it's we nice. can't just we can't wait until 2015 passes and all the stuff that'll happen for Ionic. But with that cool, all being I love said, that. <laughs> with that being said. Um, this time around, you built the product open source. So, how is this experience um, compared to act to your first two products that you created? Um, you know, it's 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 different. It, I, like, it's hard to compare them because there are a lot of other things that we changed. Like, we that wasn't just the only variable that tweaked. Um, I think right now, like the the thing about open source, which I love, and not everyone understands this, it's like probably the most effective marketing channel for like technology focused products. Um, developers can get right in, they can try it, they don't need to pay for it. So you really have to think about like, okay, what am I gonna offer for free and what am I gonna charge for? And there should be like kind of a fair value exchange there. Like you can't give everything away for free, but like you have to give away some stuff and it has to be, you know, it has to be really great stuff. It can't just be like a crappy like freemium version. Like that has to be like your reference product. Um, you can always build features that are focused for focused on enterprise like that's okay but the core product has to be free so you end up spending a lot of time and money on stuff that you don't charge for which can feel a little bit strange um and i think most companies would probably not be comfortable doing that you know you can't just put a developer uh on like a SaaS product and not like try to measure some kind of monetary value from that um whereas working on the framework it's like you know how can you how can you measure the success of like making the buttons you know feel feel better when you tap them. Um, but that's kind of what we do. So it's, it's a little more expensive, I would say. I think you can see that in the funding market. Like a lot of open source companies are raising a lot of money uh, because you're building difficult technology and, and you're kind of releasing it for free. 
but I think um, it really lets you kind of set a bigger vision that's really exciting and gets you, you know, genuinely lets you build a community of people who are just passionate fans about what you're doing. And like, you know, it, you have, it's a give and a take. Like our community is amazing. They love Ionic. We try to help them be successful by like promoting their work, making sure we fix the framework, you know, give them tools that frankly are free in a lot of, a lot of respects because that's like the most important thing. And in exchange, like, you know, we hope that they'll be really passionate and go, you know, tell their friends about Ionic, speak at conferences, write blog posts. So it's a very unique style of business. I love it. I think you have to be a certain type of company with a certain kind of personality to pull it off. Uh, it's not for everyone, but I, I couldn't imagine doing it any other way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, so with all your experience, uh, you know, building different types of products and different types of business models, um, you know, where do you see the biggest opportunity for entrepreneurs? Are there any technologies or industries other than open source that, that kind of interest you or, or even within open source? Um, you know, I, this, this sounds funny, but like, I think my, my opinion of like the, so let's, let's take a look at the software as a service market. Um, I think there are way too few companies trying to build businesses, um, like you, like you'll go and look at some of these products that just raised like $30 million. And like, frankly, the product itself is not that interesting. And if you go, or I mean, it's, it's interesting, but it's not something that you couldn't build yourself, uh, with a small team. So I think, I think what I want to see, and I think where the opportunities are, is just like, go and look at what people are being successful at raising money, you know, making money and, you know, tr try to compete in those spaces. You don't need to be the first one doing something new. Like Ionic wasn't the first framework. It just, in my opinion, was the best one. <laughs> so I, I think that's really kind of the mindset. It's like there's so many opportunities out there, but everyone's kind of looking for like a new idea that no one's seen. Like those are important, but they're not necessary. Like Facebook wasn't the first social network. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's more like, you know, go and improve these spaces that need improvements. Like I've been looking at the like application tracking system business, just like tracking job candidates. Um, there's a lot of new entrants into that space and they've really just simplified the process and they're raising money and they're making money. Like there's room for plenty more. Like that's just an example. So, um, that's to me is like the opportunities are, are just making existing things better. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge advice. I think everyone's always, you know, talking about going to find uh, the next gold mine when, when you're right, there's, there's plenty of room to just improve and out innovate and uh, continue to, to, to build out those existing markets. Yeah. And, and I, just to add, I think like everyone's kind of focused on being techno technologically superior and I don't think that's necessary. I think, I think you see a lot of these, these tech companies that just fail to grasp marketing and the user experience. Those are the best things to innovate on. Um, you know, you can have a product that's, Maybe inferior, unfortunately, as we see in the enterprise, but it has good marketing, it has good sales, so it's successful. Um, not that you need to build a bad product, but you know, everyone's like, okay, I need to have the perfect code. It's like that doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if no one ever uses it. Um, so you can innovate on marketing, you can innovate on uh, customer experience and all that stuff, and and be successful. Yeah, no, I completely completely agree with you. So, what are some apps, books, devices, or tools that you're you're currently obsessed with? <clears throat> Um, uh, so it, on apps, um, what's the app I've been using? Well, Amazon, I use that app way too much. <laughs> um, but I've been using Afterlight a lot. So 
I'm trying to up my photography game, my amateur photography, and like it's just amazing what you can do on a phone with like these simple apps that are free or like five dollars. Like Photoshop is is such a waste when you think for the average photographer when you think about like you can download these little apps, make your photos look amazing using like the the iPhone camera. Um, so I've been I've been really obsessed with photo apps recently. Um, in terms of books, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I kind of just like meander through books and I read them all in parallel. So I'm not like a huge, like I, I've been reading like the, uh, the hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz. So that's been good. Um, but beyond that, I kind of, it's like music. I just consume a lot of it and don't really, you know, it's, it's not about the single book. It's about just you know, getting exposed to lots of different ideas. So, um, and then devices and tools. So I just got a new standing desk, which I'm obsessed with. It's right, so which one did you get? Change. Um, I got an uplift desk Okay. from like human solutions. Uh, really well made. I love that. I can just like press some buttons and it adjusts super quickly. Um, and it, and, and it wasn't like too terribly expensive compared to, you know, the, the, uh, some of the other things out there. So um, I'm obsessed with that. And then also I got some new keyboard stuff and switched my mouse to a trackball. So that's been a big change for me and I actually really like it. So so uh, do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by that you want to share with others or think others should know about? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I like to uh, I like to always kind of believe that I can do anything. It just takes time. So I think like you know, when you look at, you know, the space and you're trying to like build a new company and you're not sure you can compete and all that stuff and you, you know, you start to feel like insecure and all that. I think, you know, I like to, to think that given the right people and the right approach to doing things, like you can do anything you want. And so I'm, I'm a big, big advocate for kind of just you know, just trying to make cool stuff people like first, and then going from there. And that's kind of been the the winning solution for us. It's just like we have this big vision, but we just need to make something cool today. Um, so those are some, kind of some of my my approaches. I'm, I'm very optimistic. Um, I like making cool stuff. It's really my favorite thing. And I feel like if you just make people happy, like, and you make them successful, like you'll be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you uh, today, Max. I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Hack to Start, and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.